So uh, I'm guessing this morning you didn't wake up and say, I'm going to help the preacher preach his message. Uh, and yet I'm going to invite you to, to do that this morning. And, uh, and this is what I'm going to have each of you do. I'm gonna, let's start over here. Uh, what, uh, when I point at you all, I want you to say, been there. Okay, so been there. let's do that again. Been there. Let's do it with a little bit more emphasis. Great, great. Now um, I'm gonna I'm gonna do this middle row. Uh, you know, before I did it over here, but but we're gonna kind of make all of you guys the last part. But you guys done that, okay? So, all right, let's do it with a lot more emphasis. Go, okay. And then we get over here, the rest of y'all, and it's a uh, uh, live to tell about it, okay? So. And we made them do it three, two, one. We'll make you do it again. So it's only only fair. So so how in the world are you supposed to know when your your turn comes? And well, first of all, I'll be pointing at you. But I'm going to do like a a master conductor of the symphony. I'm going to give you a big wave. So you go, oh, something's about to happen. And then I'll start pointing at you. And so it'll look like this. Okay, great. So okay, you, great. So you, you all are, are A+. Plus. This is good to work with you. Just in case you know, case you know uh, uh, the other cat, the other cat, the other services. Services. They did they real, did real, real well. So the bar has been set pretty high. So you're going to have to maintain that enthusiasm this morning. This morning. So. Uh, in, in the early nineties, uh, my family and I, my were, family living and I were living in Turtle Lake, Wisconsin, Wisconsin, which is a village, is a village of nine hundred, and, uh, and, uh, and, and it's in, it's in the northwest part, part of, of, Wisconsin. of Wisconsin. And, and, and these, these are the three, three things that, that I remember about winter. First of all, winter in Wisconsin. But this is winter in northwest Wisconsin. The first thing is it lasts five months long. I mean, I mean, not not it may last longer than. But it doesn't last, last any shorter, any shorter than that. Than that. Uh, and an, uh, example an example is Halloween, Halloween night. night. Uh, we already, uh, we already, it was already, already cold. cold. Uh, we already, uh, we already had, had snow before. before. But, Halloween but Halloween night, night we, got we got three feet, feet of snow. And so there wasn't much trick-or-treating that night in the village of Turtle Lake. The other thing I remember is it was cold in November. Uh, in fact, in it, was fact it was in cold October. in October. It was cold, it was in, cold November. in November. But somewhere, but somewhere about the middle of December, December it just got, got so, so cold, cold that, I that I didn't want to go, go out if I didn't, if have, I didn't to. have to. It was, it was 30, 30 below. below. And that's without, that's without a wish of uh, uh, My uh, wife will tell you I do I exaggerate. exaggerate. But she also said, no, he's not exaggerating about how cold it got in in Turtle Lake. Turtle Lake. And, that and that lasted through, through January, January, all of January, January was 30 below, and then and into February. February. So, so uh, those, are those are two, and I said there are three, three things, things I remember about, about, uh, about winter about in, in Turtle, Lake. Turtle Lake. The third, the third thing was five months of bloom with only, with only two, two weeks, weeks of sunshine, sunshine to, break to break it. So, so this little, this little South, South Texas, Texas boy, boy just could not, not wait, wait 
for, uh, for uh, anything, anything other, other than winter, winter to happen, to happen in, Wisconsin. in Wisconsin. And so, and so when, when I heard, I heard about, about this program, program that the United Church, Church did, did it's, uh, it's uh, called the Volunteers, Volunteers in Mission, and, and it's, uh, it's, uh, it's a two-week, or, or it's, it's a short-term mission, mission uh, organization, organization where they do projects, projects around, around the world, including the United States. States. And, 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 and specifically, when I heard that in February, uh, the Wisconsin Conference of the United Methodist Church uh, had a project in a place called Dominica. Anybody here ever heard of Dominica, Jan? No, no not at all. And it, Jan's been to Dominica, and I know that, and she knows that too. So, But... Uh, when I heard uh, about Dominica, I had no idea what it was, except it was an island in the Caribbean. It was February, and I'm going, that's all I needed to know. That's all I needed to know. So I signed up. No matter what they were doing on that project, I was going to go. And so we went down there uh, to the town of, uh, or the city of Portsmouth, uh, Dominica, and we helped uh, start the, uh, the building of a fellowship hall that would be hurricane resistant in the British Methodist Church. Now, while we were there, a couple of the ladies who were about 15, 20 years older than, than I was, and uh, they weren't exactly what I would call athletic and, and, you know, just, I mean, they did their job and they were great at their job, but they're not exactly the, the folks that I looked at as, as, you know, the camping kind. Uh, and yet those two ladies said... Uh, we want to hike up to uh, Boiling Lake, and we just need some other pe- folks to go with us. And uh, finally, they convinced a, a few of us to go with them, and, uh, and we went to Boiling Lake uh, toward the end of our two weeks. And uh, what we did was uh, we had a, had a guide who picked all of us up, and, and before uh, the sun came up, kind of like this morning with early service, the, the sunrise service, we were up before the crack of dawn. And uh, by the time we got to the, uh, the uh, start of the trail, uh, the sun was just starting to peak uh, uh, above the, the horizon. And, and for the next eight hours, we would be trekking into and out of uh, the rainforest in order to get to, uh, get to Boiling Lake. Now... There's, again, I learned some things uh, on that trek. Uh, one of the things I will never forget is why rainforests are called rainforests. I mean, it, it, there wasn't a dry moment uh, as we trekked uh, hours in and hours out uh, of, uh, of that area. The other thing I learned is that part of the, the trail was uh, this, uh, uh, this ridge and you really had to pay attention as you were going across that ridge because if you went off to a little bit to the right, it was going to be a, a long ways down. You would hit, go fast and far in a hurry. If you went a little bit to the left, you were going to go fast and far in a hurry. So it was arduous and, uh, and, and challenging. And, and then we had the final valley where we went down. And on the other, as we went through the valley, then we came to uh, the the active volcano, and at the top of that would be, uh, would be burning or boiling lake. So we climbed up uh, the edge of this uh, active volcano, and we finally got to right before we uh, came over the lip or the crest, and, and we would be actually in the crater looking down in the lake. 
And, and I remember this, uh, as we were standing on one side, it was raining. I mean, it wasn't drizzling, it was raining. But when we stepped over to the other side, it wasn't just raining, it was a deluge. It was like standing under a fire hydrant. And, uh, and after, after hours and hours going over this arduous trail, uh, we looked down at, uh, at Boiling Lake, and it was nothing but fog. It was uh, just that we were looking at the top of clouds. And it was like, we went all this way to see Boiling Lake, and you can't even see it. And then the wind blew, and we saw uh, why it was called Boiling Lake. We saw that circle of, of, uh, of, of water and it's just kind of bubbling. I mean, it was not just steaming. It was boiling. And, uh, and so uh, we uh, made it there and back, and, and then we headed ba- back to, to Wisconsin. And all of us who were on that journey had something to tell, but there were four of us who had something special to tell. Now, as I say that, uh, again, you know, we, uh, if somebody said something about Boiling Lake, I would say, okay, um, and, and, and one of the things is, as I tell that story, uh, there are connections that go out where, where I talk about uh, living in Wisconsin, and after uh, the second service, uh, talk with folks who lived in Wisconsin, who grew up in Texas like me, went to, uh, to Wisconsin to study, and are now back in, in Texas. And, and they understood, yeah, it's cold. And they even knew that there was a difference uh, uh, from South Wisconsin where they had gone to school and where I was talking about, because even in Wisconsin they talk about, oh, this is just South Wisconsin. But when you're from Texas, winter is winter, and that's north. Uh, so there's those moments where we, we, we connect just by telling a story. Yesterday I was walking uh, my dog Penny, and we ran into a fellow in the neighborhood that I'd never met before, Ed. I even mentioned that I, I said, Ed, I, this fits right into what I'm going to be talking about tomorrow. And, uh, and, and, uh, and we were talking, and he was, he was from Georgia, and uh, he worked uh, for a bakery company uh, called Rainbow Bakery. And uh, I said, I've heard of that. And I said, have you heard of Flowers Bakery? And he said, oh, yeah, they were our, our big competitor. Well, my brother-in-law, Ellen's uh, uh, brother, was uh, retired from Flowers Bakery. And so there were all these things that immediately, having a conversation where uh, experience tied us together Im- immediately, and, and Ed is now a friend, and I look forward to hopefully seeing him again in, in the neighborhood. So we as, as human beings, we have these moments where other people can say after we've told our story, all right, but even with all of these connections with one another, sometimes we feel disconnected from God. It's like God is from another planet. And he's certainly different. God is, you know, uh, is not like us. Uh, and, and on the other hand, uh, you know, because of Jesus, God would say to you and me, Been there. Been there. 
right, and that's the name, uh, the title of today's message. Been there, done that, lived to tell about it. We uh, already heard uh, the scripture for today, Matthew 16, 13 through 23. And by this time, you might be saying, the pastor really does need some help. That wasn't an Easter passage. I mean, after all, where's the big rock that the angel rolled away and sat on top of? What about the, the two angels who were inside the grave when, when the women came up? They said, why do you search for the living among the dead? At least, why didn't you talk about the, the foot race between Peter and John as they ran to the tomb only to find it empty? I mean, what's this got to do at this point with Easter? And, uh, and hopefully, I will take you from where we are to the resurrection. But let's start with where we are. We're, we're, uh, and we're, we're going to kind of unpack this, this, uh, this story. Uh, and, and I want to start with where the story takes place. Uh, the the uh, disciples with Jesus, Jesus is leading them to a certain place. And, uh, and that place, as he's going, happens to pass by uh, an area uh, called, uh, a community called Caesarea Philippi, a, a, a Roman outpost. Uh, this was not a Jewish city. And this was not in uh, there, you know, it was not on the, uh, uh, a part of the, the area where they had grown up. They had grown up in Galilee, the hill country of Israel, and now they had headed north, and, and they're on the road to Caesarea Philippi. And as they pass, uh, Jesus asks a question. And in answering the question, uh, after he hears the answer to the question, he makes a comment that, uh, that, uh, that uh, the gates of Hades will not prevail against it, or will not overcome it. The gates of Hades. So I would, uh, you know, I would hear, hear that and, and think of it in terms of metaphorically. You know, that was just kind of a mer- metaphorical statement uh, that it simply meant uh, that anywhere uh, there was corruption and, and, and uh, there was uh, unrighteousness or evil, violence, uh, in the places where it seemed like hell had come to earth, in those places... The gospel, the good news, had the power to overcome even the gates of hell and uh, just smash them. And, uh, and then a, a friend of mine was in Israel and he sent me a picture of, uh, of a place called the gates of Hades. And I looked at that picture and I go, you know, it's kind of like, ha, 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 you know. Uh, kind of like uh, everything's a shrine and we make up any kind of any kind of stories just to pass them on. And I had no idea what he was actually showing me. He sent me a picture of until I heard someone uh, explain what the gates of Hades actually was. And it was a physical place that uh, it was a it was the opening to a cave and inside the cave there was a spring. And it was just outside of Caesarea Philippi. Uh, and, and every year, there was a big festival because at, it was believed at that, at that place, the gods went down to the underworld and came up out of the underworld, uh, and uh, it would happen around spring. And so they had this big festival 
this pagan festival. And, and if I describe to you some of the things, the activities that took place in that, in that particular place, what you would say is, that is disgusting. Now, I'm going to summarize it in, in, this, in this way. There was a whole lot of drinking and there was a whole lot of sexual immorality, and there were absolutely no boundaries when it came to what men and women would do in that place. So that's where they were when Jesus asked this question. Now, who was he talking to? Uh, you know, who was in that place? And, and uh, on the one hand, we, you could say, well, there are a bunch of pagan worshipers in that place yeah because that's you know i'm not talking about them i'm talking about the people that jesus had brought from the hill country of galilee to that place which was his disciples the 12 men and possibly uh, a, a few women and others who had come with him that were followers of jesus he brought them specifically to that place to ask this question so who were they um and I'm going to pause here, and, and I'm going to ask you, in your mind, when I ask you to picture the disciples around Jesus, tell me, how old are those disciples? Anyone? How old, in your mind, you see the disciples, they are 20, 30, all ages, kind of across the board. All right, so there's a, a few clues in, in the scriptures and, and certainly from first century culture that kind of helps us to know, uh, uh, kind of uh, guess the age of the, those 12 disciples. Uh, first of all, uh, there's Peter, and, and there's two things we know about Peter uh, from Scripture. First of all, he's married because Jesus healed uh, Peter's mother-in-law. And, uh, and so we know he's married. The other thing is we know he's at least 20 years old. And you go, how do you know that? Well, there's a story where uh, Peter uh, is, uh, comes in and Jesus talks about uh, who do... do kings ask task, taxes of and and uh, and and the whole emphasis is look kings don't tax their own sons and and this whole issue is around the temple tax so so Jesus the son of God pay temple tax and uh, and and Jesus said well not to offend go down the first fish that you catch uh, open its mouth take the coin out and go and pay our temple tax and so he does he goes and he catches a fish there's a coin in there and he goes and pays the temple tax for both Jesus and Peter so that means both of them are 20 years or older in fact we know Jesus is in his 30s because again scripture tells us that well okay Peter is married and Peter is at least 20 years old and I'm thinking he's closer to the 20 than he is the 30 that you know, I'm just, just, I'm just, you know, just in my imagination, I'm thinking. Because the other thing uh, that, that we kind of can, can take from first century uh, culture is 
when a rabbi began to gather his disciples, he would invite them to study under him. And usually he started with, uh, with uh, boys who were about 8, 9, 10, 11, somewhere in there, maybe as old as 12. And so Jesus is, when he starts inviting his disciples, uh, they've already been overlooked by the ra- local rabbis. Uh, and so they had their, time, their opportunity when they were younger and nobody took them on. But they're still fairly young when Jesus comes on the scene. At least two of them are working in the family business, James and John, with their dad. Now, so if we start thinking of someone who's 30 related to Jesus, uh, we would probably think more in terms of James and John's dad, not James and John. And so now we're working with, uh, with, with uh, impressionable teenage boys in a pagan site of worship where if those Jewish mothers knew where their Jewish teenage boys were at that moment, I can just hear it, what in the world were you thinking, Jesus? <laughs> when you took my boy to that place, everybody knows what goes on there. So, so that's the setting. When Jesus asked this question, who do people say that I am? And, uh, and, uh, and they're probably scratching their head. Why are we here? But they immediately perk up and say, oh, someone I've heard actually say, you're, you're Elijah. And another one perks up. Uh, <laughs> get this, Lord. Somebody th- thinks you're John the Baptist, come back uh, to life. Uh, another one said, Jeremiah, people are thinking you're, you're Jeremiah. Uh, and anyway, uh, all of them, as they were answering that, said, bottom line is, people think you're someone special from God, you're a prophet. And, uh, and then Jesus makes it personal, he says, who do you say that I am? And Peter says, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Now, think about what I've just said. Out of all of that group, Peter is probably the oldest who is married. He's had some responsibilities. So the rest of them kind of look at Peter as the big brother. And so when that question is asked... It makes sense that Peter, who's obviously an extrovert to the, to the max, would be the one who would speak up. But here's the other thing, is the other 11, I am pretty sure, did something like, amen. So let's practice that together. One, two, three. Amen. So they're, uh, they're saying, we agree with what he just said. I mean, they may have done it by body language, they may have actually said something, but uh, all 12 of them uh, are saying, what Peter said, we believe. You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. In other words, you are God in the flesh. So, all right, Uh, there's, there's this belief among the 12 who've spent time with Jesus, who've who've camped out with Jesus, who've probably been on their backs looking up at the stars, talking about some pretty deep things about God and about life. 
Uh, they've eaten with uh, Jesus. They've uh, drank with Jesus. They've, they've, uh, they've seen him do amazing things and how he treated other people. They've uh, heard what Jesus has said. They've been under his teaching. And after all of that, they go, we've spent time with the man. He's more than a prophet. He's God. So, uh, along with the, with the disciples, there were others who believed that, and, and we see that later on uh, the resurrection day when two uh, folks are, are, are uh, going from Jerusalem to uh, Emmaus, their home, and, uh, and Jesus pulls alongside them. Uh, this is the day of the resurrection. The resurrected Lord is walking with these two, and they're down in the dumps. They don't recognize Jesus. I mean, who would? You think the guy is dead. There's no way you expect to see him walking and talking beside you. And so in their conversation, Jesus kind of acknowledges, you guys seem to be pretty bummed. And and they say, well, don't you know what just happened in Jerusalem? And let's say I don't. And so they began to talk about what happened. And at one point, they expressed their hope and the de- their desire. When, uh, when one of them said, we had hoped that he, Jesus, was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And, and so they're also saying, at one time we believed that Jesus was the Messiah, the Son of the living God. That was the general, general uh, um, impression of those who were close to him, that this was just, not just anyone, this was the one. Um, so it's in the context of that, after this, uh, this statement, that God the Son then, then begins to unfold God's plan. Uh, and, and this is what he said. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples, and, and, and this is what he said, I must go to Jerusalem. I will suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law. And I must be killed. And on the third day, I will be raised. Now, Peter has just said, you're God. And now God is saying, this is God's plan. And all of them are listening to it. And and he gets to the point, I must be killed. And they stop listening. That's where... Peter can't wait to interrupt, and he does. He says, never, Lord. That will never happen. Because God's plan, to put it mildly, sucks. God's plan sucks. Because... You're telling us all our hopes and dreams in you being the one is going to be crucified, dead and buried. We're not going to let that happen. You know, it is Easter. Today is Easter. And I am very well, well aware of that. And... Uh, and, uh, and uh, on Easter Day, there's a couple of statements. There might be some conversations you have had this week with God because you don't like the plan. And, uh, 
And, and one of them would be this one. God, do you know what I am going through? Do you understand the experiences that I have? Have you been here, done what I've done? I'm just curious. Have you experienced what it is to be alone? To feel abandoned? Have you ever had anyone betray you? Have you ever had a friend who wouldn't acknowledge that you even existed? Have you felt the pain that I felt? That sense of desperation and desolation and... You can go through all those things and... And this is where God says, I have been there. I have done that. And I today live to tell about it. And so when you ask me, what's it like to be betrayed? I know. I had a friend betray me. When you ask, have you had a friend... Act like he never knew you? Yeah. Peter. Have you ever been abandoned? Yeah. I've been abandoned. All my friends left me. I know the desperation and the desolation and the pain of what it's like to be human. I'm going to talk about two laws, but let's start with the first law, the law of physics. And, and you finished this. I'm going to tell you the beginning of it, and you finish it. What goes up must... Okay. What goes up must... Okay, so, so it's a, it, but that's not just a, a physical law. Uh, there are, that is a, a principle that kind of works uh, a, its way across uh, human experience. For example, uh, what we've seen in, in the last year, what goes up, called the uh, you know, stock exchange, also comes down. And, and there's moments in life where you feel like you're so high, it's like you can't wait, you're just kind of looking around worried because life's going so good. Why? Why are you thinking that? Because what goes up must. But here's the thing. Here's the law, uh, 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 that law being applied to Jesus Christ. The one who is up must come down, must experience what we experience must understand what it's to be human. And here's the thing. On the cross, that thing that Peter said, it will never happen, it happened. And what happened at the cross, and we need the cross, because at the cross, Jesus became the worst part of me. And the worst part of you and the worst part of what it's like to be human. He was the worst of the worst in that moment. That's why he cries out, my God, my God, 
Why have you forsaken me? Why did God forsake him? Because when he looked at his, his son, he saw all the filth and iniquity and terrible things that humans have done through all of eternity. And what was up came down with us. Oh, goodness gracious, Pastor. That begs the question, is there any hope for me then? Is there any hope? Well, here's the other law I want to talk about. There's the law of physics, what goes up must come down. But there's the law of resurrection, what goes up, I mean what goes down must, what goes down must. And what we're talking about is Jesus went with us to the very bottom of humanity, our worst day and our worst attitude and our worst life across all of the centuries. But he also came up with us. You know, we need the cross. We need to know that God has experienced what we've experienced and that he's willing to take on all the pain and hurt and, and loss. And he did. But we also need the, the empty tomb. We need the law of physics and we need the law of resurrection. We need the crucifixion. And we need the resurrection. I want to do something that I, I don't do very often, but today I want to end uh, this time with a, a very simple prayer. It, it incorporates... Three simple statements. I'm sorry. Please. Thank you. I'm sorry recognizes those places where I've said things and done things that I know have been offensive to God and to others. I've said something. I've done something that was offensive. Please is, the, is, is a request. It's just simply saying, God, please forgive me. And please give me new life in your son Jesus. And then thank you as a statement of faith because we believe that God answers that prayer. And so will you enter with me into a time of prayer? Lord, I want to begin with I'm sorry. There are moments where I've said things or I have done things that were offensive and I didn't know it until it was already out of my mouth or the action was already done. And I need forgiveness for, for those moments. But I also need forgiveness for those places where even before I said it, I knew it was wrong. Even before I did it, I knew it was wrong. So in this moment, in this place, I say I'm sorry. Please, please forgive me. And please, give me the promised life of Jesus Christ. Make me new in him thank you
Thank you that the scriptures tell us that you do forgive us. In fact, you take our wrongdoing and throw it as far as the east is from the west. You separate us completely from the wrong we have said and the wrong that we have done. And so thank you for forgiveness. And thank you for life in the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for the promise that you will take our cold, hard hearts and make them new in Jesus Christ. Amen.